Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, animal lovers everywhere, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm your host, Marie Hewitt, and I want to thank you for tuning in this lovely morning. You know, we've talked a lot about providing a healthy diet for pets on this program, and I like bringing guests on the show who are from companies that really do care about the quality of the pet food they produce. Today, Rob Cadenhead from Spring Naturals will not only be talking about the great line of pet food products his company has developed, but also what Spring Naturals is doing to promote pet adoptions from animals in shelters, which of course is near and dear to my heart. And after our halftime break, the very entertaining author Lana Reed will be stopping by to share some survival tips her cat taught her. Lana is an author whose pet-related books are both humorous and educational. So after a very quick station break, we'll get started with this morning's edition of the Pet Place Radio Show here on K-Mozart. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on K-Mozart. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'd like to welcome to the show Rob Cadenhead from Spring Naturals. And Rob, you've brought along a Betty. Can you tell me, can you introduce your friend? I have. Uh, this is Nate Thomas. Uh, he's actually our formulations expert for uh, the Spring Naturals line. Ah, excellent. And Spring Naturals is a special line of pet food. Can you tell me the history of your organization? It is. Uh, it's, uh, we've, we've actually been working on this uh, the Spring Naturals project for about two years now. And uh, we, we finally launched the, uh, the, the full line of uh, both dry food, uh, canned food, and then also some treats under Spring Naturals. We launched uh, back in uh, the mid-January of this year. Okay. And what is special about the Spring Naturals line of pet food? Well, you know, it's, uh, we, we, we feel like we're kind of creating a whole new category uh, within, the, uh, within the food industry, the pet food industry. Uh, we're doing some unique things as far as we, we're using... Uh, nothing but fresh meats in the in our dry meals. Uh, we aren't using any meat meals. There's no but beef, chick, beef, chicken, or, or fish meals in the product. And what that allows us to do is have a uh, have a, a line of dry foods that's uh, using a low glycemic ingredient tag. So we feel like it's a, it's a healthier uh, uh, option for for a lot of the pets out in the marketplace, especially with the uh, the onset of uh, obesity and, uh, and and diabetes uh, coming up with uh, a lot of the pets. There really uh, are a lot of overweight pets out there <laughs> these yes. days. When I go yeah. for walks, I can't believe how many pillows with legs I see walking around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they're saying something like uh, one in every five is considered obese. So it's a uh, it's a lot of a lot of overweight. Uh, I it, guess they kind of mimic us, don't yeah, they? Yeah, it is interesting. I was just going to say most of the. Uh, Overweight animals tend to have overweight owners, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a fact. <laughs> oh, gosh. Maybe they should all uh, be eating some spring naturals also. Do you have a human line? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we have quite a few customers that do try our food, so uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> okay, okay. You were talking about the glycemic index. Can you tell me what that means in layman's terms? Sure. You know what? I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll refer to, to Nate on that. He can probably explain it a little bit better in detail. Okay. Uh, the, basically, the glycemic index of any material is uh, has to do with your body's ability to convert it into sugar. Okay. Um, 
for energy. And so something with a lower glycemic uh, index is, is the product or the material of food that will digest much more slowly and doesn't rush uh, all the sugar into your blood. So you end up with a much more even and distributed uh, uh, nutrient instead of just a big slug of simple carbohydrate. Okay, so that'll help as far as, you know, keeping clear of diabetes and also perhaps uh, storing everything as fat then. It, it's certainly a, a component to that. You know, you, nothing can replace, you know, you just talked about exercise. Nothing can really replace good exercise. I think all dogs really need to have a, a walk, and I think most owners could probably use the exercise themselves. <laughs> yeah, that is for sure. Now, how long have you guys been in the pet food industry? Well, uh, myself, I've been in the pet industry for about six years now, uh, and uh, we, it's been primarily uh, on the on the co-pack side, and uh, and we provide a lot of the uh, natural treats out in the marketplace as far as your bones and things like that. So, uh, Nate, Nate uh, you've been in you've been in quite a bit longer, haven't you? Yeah, I've worked in the pet food industry for about fifteen years. Uh, okay. Uh, handling quality assurance and product development and. Uh, over the course of those years, I've developed thousands and thousands of diets, especially for the high-end, super-premium and uh, independent uh, pet categories. What's your recipe development like, and, and how will you know if animals are going to like the taste of what you end up creating? I mean, you might create the most healthful food in the world, but if an animal won't eat it, it's not going to do much. Well, you know, that's that's a good question. And a lot of people want to know about that. You know, first of all, what we really do is we, we select ingredients that we would like to use. And we do a lot of research on our ingredients. Once we've decided which ingredients we want to use, we send them out and we have them completely assayed for their for their uh, proximate values, their moisture, fat, protein, ash, their amino acid composition, their fatty acid composition, their vitamins, their macro minerals, their micro minerals, so that we can really deal with all of our formulations kind of at the root nutritional level. What's, what's it really going to do for the animal? Once we do that, we basically define within, we use a, we use a pretty complex piece of software, uh, the linear least cost formulation um, model. And I don't know if you remember the linear equations from, uh, from school, but that's effectively what we do. We solve for all of our nutrients. And we basically say we want our, our, our uh, carbohydrates to be balanced this way. We want to have you know, this level of uh, saturated or, or I'm, not, I'm sorry, not saturated, but we want to have this level of, of soluble fiber, this level of insoluble fiber, and then we let the software calculate the formula for us. And then, of course, and then you bring a long line of dogs in to taste it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you say, okay, Absolutely. they like them. Absolutely. The software doesn't really understand animal preference for food science, and so that's where the experience really comes in. And so one of the things is over the years, we, we, we have a, a really good idea of what animals like and what they don't like. But once we get a finished diet, we still need to make sure they're going to eat it. And so we do a lot of in-home testing to make sure it works well. We do a lot of acceptance testing to make sure that if we take an animal off of diet A, for example, and give it our diet, it'll actually go to it and start eating it. Because, you know, it's like I was sitting in a, in a boardroom uh, for a big, huge uh, pet food company one day, and they were saying that palatability was not their important factor. And oh, my, wow. my response was, yeah, but the animal has to eat its medicine, right? Exactly, so yeah. That's, 
palatability is super important. But the one thing that we have to be cautious of is, especially with dogs, not so much with cats, but it's important for cats too, we don't want it to be so tasty that, that they want to gorge themselves and overeat because it doesn't matter how nutritious the diet is. If they consume too much of it, they're just going to get fat. Absolutely. And they'll also have other health problems. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's one of the, it's a careful balance that's really between making it taste good enough for them to eat and want to eat, but also make sure that you don't go overboard. Well, of course, that's the owner's job, too, to make sure that they provide the proper proportions based on the the size and age and weight of their pet. But I have a question for Rob. I understand you have a special program called Spring Into Action. Can you tell me about that? You bet. You bet. Uh, uh, Spring Spring Into Action is a a new campaign that we're running. uh, It's where the Spring Natural fans can uh, can nominate the animal advocate of their choice uh, on on our Facebook page. And, uh, and we, the monthly, it's a 12-month program uh, where in a monthly uh, people go in, they nominate uh, uh, advocates within the within the uh, pet community uh, in the, in the, uh, for for needy pets out in the community, and the the, the winner each month gets a, a free bag of, of uh, Spring Naturals, 26-pound bag of food, and their in their uh, in, in their uh, uh, shelter. Also gets uh, two 26-pound bags of spring natural food. Wow! And we have about a minute left, so mm-hmm. I, before I let you go, you okay. also are going to be sponsoring a shelter dog next year. Can you tell me very quickly about what's going on with that? You bet. It's a it's a homage homage uh, part of the of the program, and uh, we've uh, Spring Natural is actually sponsoring a, a one and a half year old mixed breed female uh, dog uh, that's actually named Spring. Uh, Spring was uh, recently adopted to, to a family up in Chicago. And uh, and we're sponsoring them over the next year, so uh, we're we're excited about it. And Spring's a Spring's a, a pretty special little dog, and with a lot of energy and a lot of love to to give out to to the family uh, that they're with right now. So so you're promoting uh, shelter adoptions by uh, putting the spotlight on uh, the Spring you, dog. <laughs> you bet, you bet. You know what? It, it, the name Spring was very appropriate because she has a lot of spring in her bounce. So it's uh, she's a sweet dog. Okay, and how can listeners enter their friends and family and animal advocates into the Spring Into Action campaign? Well, they can go to our Facebook page, which is uh, facebook.com backslash Spring Naturals. Uh, uh, so they can they can go in there and they can uh, nominate uh, nominate uh, their their hero uh, by placing their picture on there and and telling us a little bit about the. Their, their nomination. Wonderful. Well, we need to take a quick break now, but don't go away. Author Lana Reed is up next here on the Pet Place Radio Show. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on K Mozart. I'm Marie Hewitt, and joining me now is Lana Reed. Hi, Lana. I've been so excited to talk to you. You've written so many cool books, and I'd really like listeners to know all about them. So first of all, you're a big believer in the health benefits of having a cat as a pet. So let's talk about that. Good stuff, good stuff. Yes, cats are wonderful, wonderful. I've never understood why people don't love and appreciate them. Um, I grew up with cats since I was a child, and, you know, they've always uh, kept me... uh, sane and uh, you know they're just the most precious beings I've never 
They really are. It is interesting, though, how some people just absolutely love cats and and some people absolutely hate cats, and there really isn't a whole lot in between. (laughs) Never in between. And, you know, I've noticed, too, that it's kind of like across the gender lines. Most of the time it's it's guys that don't really care for cats. Yeah, dogs tend to be dogs, or men tend to be dog people. (laughs) Yeah, and the ladies tend to be the cat people, you know. That is interesting, but it's always nice to find a gentleman who loves kitties also. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I think they kind of understand it's a package deal. Like, if I want to be with this lady here, I better take the cat. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. You know, my sister-in-law, as much as I love her, she's never been a big fan of cats. Um, She doesn't like that they shed and and she is one of those people whose home always looks like a photo straight out of Better Homes and Gardens. And so she never had kitties. And and it is interesting that a couple of her kids ended up developing allergies. And I've heard over the years that if you don't expose kids from a young age to, you know, cats, dogs, dirt, and everything else, that, that they do have a higher tendency to become allergic adults. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of studies on that. It's kind of like um, putting a a child whose um, immune system is developing into some sort of bubble so they don't get a chance to develop resistance to, you know, pet dander, dust or whatever. So, you know, some dirt, some pets, you know, in in the moderation is is a good thing. I'm not (laughs) saying, you know, uh, fill your house with 15 cats. No, no, no. You know, but it does, I mean, the studies do show that it does um, help a, a child develop their immune system. So Absolutely. there's no reason to kind of encase them in this bubble. I mean, And me personally, you know, um, as a young child, I had severe allergies, and the, that was the first thing that the doctor told my mother to do was to get rid of our pet, our pet cat. But she <sighs> said no, you know, and now I've, I've grown up with cats my entire life, and, we we coexist very peacefully. Your mom is my hero. I can't tell you how many people write to me and tell me that they're giving up their pets because their child is allergic. Mm-hmm. And there are so many things they can do so that they could keep that pet. And I think it's so much more traumatic to get rid of a pet that a child loves. That's right. That's right. So, and, you know, yay that like you I said, it did. Yeah, she, she she refused. She was just adamant. No, we're not. You know, my child is not going to be in this bubble. So, and like I said, it all works out. Sometimes, you know, you have to, um, you know, use your best judgment when you get some some medical advice. I'm not going to contradict doctors at this moment because they're probably all come bashing. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> we have to we have to kind of use our best judgment sometimes. Yeah. Now you've written a book called Survival Tips My Cat Taught Me, and I love that title. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Oh, yes. You know, um, sometimes, you know, we go through lives as humans and we have ups and downs and, you know, we're sitting here, you know, wondering why me or how I'm going to get through that. And I just was one day looking at my, my cat, one of the cats that I had at the time, and she just seemed to be oblivious to any stress or trials or whatever. She just got through her day-to-day with no effort and ho-hum or whatever. And, you know, I said, you know, I really should pay more attention to my pet and how they, you know, just go through their day-to-day and let stuff roll off my back and, you know, how how to just navigate and, and have a more emotionally healthy life, you know. So that's where it came about. It's like I'm going to pay attention to my cat because they seem to be doing a better thing at this whole life thing than I am right now. So. <laughs> I think all animals have a better attitude. They don't dwell yeah. on bad things. They just 
look for the good, and they're just always happy. Yeah, you know, they're just, I love my life. I love my owner. You know, I'm I'm not going to worry about, you know, this person has stripes and I have spots. I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> worry about, okay, the bills are not going to get paid today. I'm just, you know, everything is just going to be happy, you That's know. That's so, right. Yeah, it's just, it's just a wonderful, pets are just a wonderful thing, you know, if you look at them and, and just see, you know, how they're peacefully living their life. You know, Absolutely. So. What do you think the biggest lesson is that your cat taught you? Um, you know, just to accept my mistakes. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I think there's a chapter in the book. It's called, you know, um, you're going to fall. You know, so sometimes I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to fall, uh, but you got to get back up. You got to dust yourself off. Um, you know, life is not always going to be perfect, but I always have the opportunity to make the best of it, no matter what the imperfections are. And I think that's what I've, I've taken from my cats, you know, is just get out there, keep plugging at it, keep trying, and, uh, you know, I'm going to succeed. I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what challenges in life have your cats helped you get through? Uh, well, one of my major, major challenges, um, you know, that just in recent years I've become comfortable talking about. But um, my husband of 12 years was killed back when I was in 30, when I was 32. Oh. So I became a widow at 32, and um, I had a seven-year-old daughter at that time. So it was kind of like the whole single parent and everything uh, grieving was thrust on me mm-hmm. at one time. And I had two cats in the house. One was blind. You know, she couldn't see at all. Mm-hmm. And then I had uh, another family cat that we'd had for about the last four years. And really every night, you know, for some reason, they just crawled into the bed with me and, like, we're here for you and we're going to stay by your side. And they had never done that before. So wow. I could tell that they were perceptive to the, the whole grieving process and she needs us at the moment. But, um, you know, those two those two little critters there, you know, they kind of, they were there as a quiet support system and, you know, gave me a sense of peace. And I tell everybody, those two cats right there, you know, they've since passed on, but those two got me through that rough patch. Well, you know, it is interesting how animals do seem to sense when their owners are having a bad day or yes. just a bad spell in life, and, and they really do seem to... Pour on the charm and the love yes. and the attention like they've never done before. You're not the first person I've heard uh, tell me a story like that, and I think I they're think really pet, tuned in. Yeah, I think our pets are more in tune to us than humans tend to be. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you're right yeah, there. I could yeah. come home after having a bad day, and my entire family will be busy doing their own thing, and my yeah. my dogs and my cats will be right there saying, "Hey, yeah. we love you." Hey, we're so happy you're home, and how, you know, okay, love, 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 and everybody else is like, oh, you're here? Really? Okay. I just need a hug, please. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, and I think that's why, you know, a lot of the research in the study says, you know, that pet ownership, you know, lowers anxiety, um, helps people with depression or whatever, because, you know, pets are unconditional. They just love you regardless, you know. Um, (laughs) You know, they're not, like the kids, they're not saying, well, Mom, if you buy me this new toy, then I'll give you a hug or whatever. You know, they're just, pets are unconditional at all times. That is the great thing about them. Hey, what kind of animals do you have right now? Um, I have one little dude at home. He's a cat. My daughter's trying to talk me into uh, getting a dog, but, you know, we'll see. The teenager usually is. Uh, uh, leaving you stuck with the care, so <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, it's a great idea. I want it, but okay, then mom, you're gonna have to take care of it. So uh-huh. you know, we'll we'll see. But yeah, we have one little guy at home. He runs the house. That's the man of the house. I guess, 
kind of stands there in the morning, you know, he's like, okay, my bowl is not, you know, the level I'd like it. Could you please put some more in here? And he just kind of stands there like, okay, I'm waiting. You know, and it's so obvious what they're saying to you at that point. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they have, you can imagine the whole conversation they're having in their head without them even having to say anything, mm-hmm. you know, so beautiful creatures. Hey, I understand you have at least 20 tips or pointers in your book. Can you share some of those with our listeners? Oh, uh, let's see here. Um, there's The first one is when you get thrown in the water, swim, and, and that's basically, you know, uh, like I was saying earlier, you're going to have some problems in life, you know, but the best way to get out of them is to, you know, move, to do something, to be active in your problem. A lot of times we like to just sit there in the corner and woe is me and, you know, oh, my gosh, and this and that, but that's not going to fix anything. You, you you better get in there and start moving something to fix the problem. Um that's one of the first chapters. Um, you want me to just read off the 20 tips? The well, sure. Let's let's go for that, and then that way that'll entice our listeners to go ahead and uh, read your book and find out all the details. But let's oh, go through the say, 20 tips. That would be great. I was going to say, if I talk about all of them, we'll be here for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The, the next chapter is uh, be curious uh, while being cautious, and anybody who has experienced a cat knows that they creep up on a sock or... <laughs> <laughs> or anything very cautiously, but they can't help but try to figure out what is that over there. Sure. Uh, the next uh, chapter is it's inve- inevitable. You will fall from time to time. Mm-hmm. I used to have uh, a giant Maine Coon cat who would fall off a second <laughs> bunk on our bunk bed all the time with a thud because he didn't know how big he was, and half his body would start falling, and then that would carry the whole rest of them down. Thunk. Yeah. Yeah, but it didn't stop him from doing it, right? Nope, he was right back up there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The uh, next chapter is you have claws for a reason, you know, and that's just basically we we come into this world built with the tools for survival. Um, So, you know, we just have to tune into what we have and use what we come with to, you know, help us get through this journey called life. Makes sense. And the next chapter is Meow. Loudly, you know, <laughs> because sometimes people don't know what you want. If you're sitting in the corner quietly, you know, mm-hmm. you have to speak up from time to time and say, hey, I'm over here, I need this or I need that. Um, the next chapter is uh, when hunting, wait, 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 then pounce. Ah, okay. Uh, I can uh, see the advice the, in that one already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you have to be cautious, you know, kind of, you know, but the reward will come. Uh, the next chapter is sometimes aloofness is good, and any cat owner knows that, you know, cats are just kind of like, yeah, I don't really care if you're here or not. Just when I need you to serve me, serve me, you know. But, you know, sometimes we have to step back, look at the scene, you know, kind of get a feel for it before we jump in. So sometimes it's best to just kind of, you know, be in the background and watch everything. So that would be more like a cat and not like a dog. He just dives into go. everything. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Yes, that's like the what is that book? Men are from uh, Venus and women are from Mars or something. Yeah. So here we go. The difference between cats and dogs. Uh-huh. There. <laughs> uh The next chapter is sometimes you got to lick yourself, and you know sometimes, and that's just um, sometimes it's only up to you to fix your problems. You know, we kind of want you know to be like woe is me to everybody around you, but sometimes it's really just up to you to go ahead and and fix what's wrong with the situation. Uh, the next chapter is catnip makes you goofy and people laugh at you. And uh, that's just basically about, you know, we all have um, 
vices, addictions. Uh, mine is shoes. I will go out. I have 300 pairs of shoes. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, we have to learn how to uh, moderate some of our addictions in life, uh, food and everything, because, you know, overboard, you know, there are uh, the challenges that come along with that. Mm-hmm. The next one is live with dogs, other cats, fish, and sometimes birds, and that's just the lesson in how we have to coexist with people who are different than us, you know, okay. and how to do that pleasantly. Mm-hmm. And um, cats the next- can do that. My kitties live with dogs and a bird and fish. <laughs> Took them a minute probably at first, but, you know, everybody's used to each other at this time. <laughs> yeah, we have harmony. It's important. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, on yeah. that point, I'm going to have to... Um, because we're running out of time here. I figured it I want to make sure that everybody knows where they can find your book. So let's remind everybody what the title is and then also where they can find it. All righty, dear. The title of the book is Survival Tips My Cat Taught Me. And you can find the book on my website, and that is www.lanareed.com, L-A-N-A-R-E-I-D.com. Excellent. You know, this has been so much fun talking with you this morning, and I just want to thank you so much for coming to the Pet Place. Thank you for having me. I had a good time. Anybody who loves pets is a friend of mine. (laughs) Excellent. Well, it's time to take our last break of the morning, but when we return, be ready for Pet Place news and events here on K Mozart. Back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. I'm sure most of you heard about the Million Man March in Washington, D.C. a few years back. Well, today is the 12 Million Dog March here in Los Angeles. It's a celebratory festival featuring unique dog-centric activities and family fun to honor the 12 million pets afflicted with cancer each year. Festivities include free entertainment, treat and water stations for your dogs, gourmet food trucks, family games and contests, and opportunities to learn more about pet cancer prevention. The 12 Million Dog March is a great opportunity to connect with other pet owners with dogs who have been afflicted by or are concerned about pet cancer. It's a place where passion meets prevention and community of dog lovers unite to help wipe out a devastating disease. This event begins at 11 a.m. on the north side of Pan Pacific Park across from the Grove at 7600 Beverly Boulevard in Los Angeles. There is free limited parking on Beverly Boulevard, so get there early. And for all you cheap trick fans, Rob Zander, the iconic lead singer from the band, is scheduled to perform at 1 p.m. It's going to be a great event. For more information, call 203-295-0355. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org and send us your comments or suggestions for the show. That's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend here on K-Mozart. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please spay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day.